0: Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by my friends over at ShopC60.com. If you haven't heard of Carbon 60 or otherwise called C60 before, it is a powerful Nobel Prize winning antioxidant that helps to optimize mitochondrial function, fights inflammation, and neutralizes toxic free radicals. I'm a huge fan of using C60 in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle to support your immune system, help your body detox, and increase energy and mental clarity. If you are over the age of 40 and you'd like to kick fatigue and brain fog to the curb this year, visit shopc60.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS for 15% off your first order and start taking back control over your health today. The products I use, I use their C60 in organic MCT coconut oil. They have it in various different flavors. They also have sugar-free gummies that are made with allulose and monk fruit. They also have carbon 60 and organic avocado and extra virgin olive oil. When it's combined with these fats, it absorbs more effectively. And carbon 60 is great as a natural energizing tool because it really helps your mitochondria optimize your energy production. Now, if you take it late at night, for some individuals, it may seem a little bit stimulating, so that's why we recommend taking it earlier in the day, and it will give you that great energy, that great, great mental clarity that you want all day long. It will help reduce the effects of oxidative stress and aging and really help you thrive. So again, guys, go to shopc60.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off your first order and start taking back control of your health today. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Got another great Q&A session here. And joining me is our superstar health coach, Hampton. And we are going to be talking about a number of different topics that you guys have, Another a number of different questions that you guys have written in. Uh, we have got heartburn and acid reflux, a topic that we've come back to many times. And it's obviously a, a common one that you guys are asking about We're going to talk about binders, toxin binders, and uh, how to use those. We're also going to talk about heavy metals in chocolate. There was a Consumer Reports um, essay that came out where they analyzed all these different chocolate brands, and there's a lot of media attention given to this idea that there's a lot of heavy metals in chocolate, and so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about chlorella. And so that's a uh, a powerful superfood, but some people are concerned it may lower testosterone. We're going to talk about uh, how to eat your veggies. Should you eat them raw or should you cook them? And we're also going to cover a condition called Raynaud's syndrome and sleep apnea. So some good topics today. And uh, again, joining me is Hampton, superstar health coach. You can find him at Hampton at drjockers.com if you have questions you want help with uh, with your own health, uh, he obviously does health coaching, people all over the world. So reach out to him, Hampton at drjockers.com, or you can go to drjockers.com and look under our coaching tab where you can find out more about Hampton. Uh, with that said, Hampton, how are you doing today? You ready to get hey, started?
1: Hey, Dr. Jockers. Yes, uh, a pleasure to be here as always. Thank you for the intro. And uh, I am, I, I am. I know time's always pressing. So let's dive into these questions. Yeah. And- see what value we can provide here. Um, All right. So we'll, we'll go first up is Carlos on Instagram. And he asked, I have really bad heartburn and acid reflux. What should I take to get rid of this?
0: So acid reflux, you know, heartburn, acid reflux, we always have to ask a few questions. Number one is, is this due to low stomach acid? Or is it you know, and, and and then we have to go beyond that. So we have to say, you know, is it due to too much acid? Is it due to low stomach acid? Most of the time, it's actually too low of acid, meaning that the body is not producing enough acid because when it produces enough acid, it moves food through the stomach and into the small intestine effectively. Normally at rest, our stomach acid or pH is roughly around uh, three to 3.5 pH. Now water is neutral at seven. So that's pretty acidic, but in order to digest food effectively, particularly high protein, harder to digest foods, we need to get that acid down to roughly 1.5 to 2.2. So it's actually very energy demanding to produce that much acid. And that's why we always recommend being in a relaxed state when you're eating food so your body can utilize the energy. It can divert that energy into producing enough acid to digest your food effectively. If you don't do that, food will sit in your stomach and it will start to ferment and the acid that's in the stomach, even though it's not enough, will come up and regurgitate when there's gas that builds up from the food breaking down. That gas will push the esophageal sphincter up and now the acid will get into the esophagus and the esophagus is not designed. It doesn't have the mucus layer that the stomach does. And so it's very sensitive to the acid and you'll feel it in the, in, in the form of heartburn or acid reflux. And so, again, typically it's too low of acid. Now, we could just throw in some betaine HCL or stomach acid. However, some people have ulcers. They have stomach ulcers. And when they have stomach ulcers, that's basically like a hemorrhage or a wound in their stomach. And if we just throw in acid, that could actually cause worsening symptoms where they could notice more burning pain in their stomach. So, Usually what I'll have that individual do is take some apple cider vinegar, like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in, let's say, two to four ounces of water just to dilute it a little bit, drink it, and then see what you notice. Do you notice pain in the pit of your stomach? If so, most likely there's an ulcer there. And if there's an ulcer, what we have to do is really focus on mucilaginous types of herbs. These are really good for the stomach, things like licorice root, marshmallow, aloe vera, L-glutamine, those can be really helpful for helping to rebuild the mucous membrane in in the stomach. Zinc also can be very, very helpful there. Um, So those can all be super helpful. And then typically when there's an ulcer, we have to ask, what is the cause? And usually it's one of two things. It's either an H. pylori infection, which is actually a very common stomach infection, and H. pylori, when it overgrows, it will actually break down that mucus layer and it will shut down the proton pumps in the stomach from producing enough stomach acid. So that's a really common uh, cause of stomach ulcers. And then also overuse of NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, taking too much Tylenol, too much ibuprofen, things like that can also cause these ulcers. So those are typically the main main issues. And sometimes you know you have stomach ulcers because whenever you have any, anything with citrus, tomatoes, peppers, things like that. You just feel awful, right? You got that pit in your stomach, things like that. So again, with that, we can't just throw in betaine HCl or um, you know, or or really even apple cider vinegar, we've got to start to try to heal the the stomach ulcer. So yeah, that's the first thing we got to look at is do you have an ulcer? Do you not? If we can rule that out, if you feel better using the apple cider vinegar, then there's things we can do as far as, for example, using BT and HCL. And, and Hampton, I'll turn it over to you. You can talk a little bit more about how to yeah. use a supplemental yeah. stomach acid supplement.
1: Sure. Yeah. Good segue. Because uh, that's the one thing I was going to mention that you haven't covered. So it's, as far as using something like uh, you know an HCL supplement, um, I like to recommend doing it um, after you've had a, at least a few bites of your meal Um, I don't recommend taking it right before the meal like you would do some enzymes or apple cider vinegar or something like that. You start to eat your meal and either at the beginning after a few bites or midway through, I've found that to be very effective, particularly if you are currently having a lot of indigestion and heartburn. That actually will help your stomach, you know, to the ability it can start to kind of cue up its own production of stomach acid, even if it's weak and low, Um, and then you're going to pair that with the, you know, the the supplemental form of HCL, that tends to be really well. And and you'll also have some food in the stomach as well to help with, um, you know, not irritating any of that that mucosal lining if there is an ulcer irritation there. Um, And, yeah, I was just going to say I I think generally it is a both-and. You want to do the um, apple cider vinegar, ginger, the the supplemental ACL as part of the strategy. And then in between meals, it's often just for – just helping that mucosal lining, just supporting all the different herbs that Dr. Jockers mentioned. You can do those in supplement form or teas. A lot of the slippery elm or marshmallow root teas are really nice and just soothing to drink on, um, and as well as aloe as well. Um, so I like to, you know, encourage that in between meals, um, but then really prioritizing the stomach acid with the supplementation during the meal, um, mid meal. I think is is pretty optimal. I've found. Pretty good success rate with clients, particularly when the stomach is really sensitive too.
0: For to sure, yeah, nice. I've had a lot of people where they just started taking. We have some popular videos on YouTube on acid reflux, on heartburn, things mm-hmm. like that. And there's a lot of people that have commented, "Yeah, I started taking the Bt and HCl, acid reflux went away, never came back." Right, so I've, yeah. I've seen that often. Yeah. Now, one thing I didn't, I didn't touch on that I should have is. Diet changes, right? Because if you're eating food totally. like yes. gluten, processed foods, high sugar yeah. foods, mm-hmm. uh, fried foods, you know, th- spicy, just, yeah. If you're spicy right. foods, if you're eating foods that are not healthy, um, that are your body sensitive to and creating an immune reaction to, obviously that can also drive up the acid reflux. So there's also a lot of people that will go gluten free or grain free. Mm-hmm. They'll take out processed foods and processed sugar, and they notice a big difference just just by doing that. So. You know, that should be obviously the first step is doing that. Also, you don't want to eat too late at night. So mm-hmm. I've asked people in the past, I'm like, when, when are you noticing it after every meal? Or is mm-hmm. it just after like one specific meal? And they'll say, well, typically it's at night when I go to bed. And I'm like, okay, well, what time are you eating? And they're like, uh, usually I get home and I eat at, you know, nine o'clock at night or something like mm-hmm. that. Then I go to bed at 1030. 30. So they're not giving their body enough time to digest the foods, the food's sitting there and then it kind of regurgitates up. So, you know, if you have to eat something late, do something like a protein shake where, you know, it's the blender has done most of the work. So it's going to go through your system faster as opposed to a large meal. So that's also, you know, a really good strategy. Yeah. Something simple like that. And then, you know, you had talked about some of those herbs so there, so you can also take ginger root, which you can go to your local health food store, um, whole foods. I know they sell it, just get some ginger root and just cut up, like cut it into little pieces and then chew on that before a meal. So while you're preparing the meal, chew on that. And it's, it's very pungent. It's not flavorful. It's not like uh sugary ginger, right? The, the dried sugary ginger pieces, but that pungency of the ginger actually stimulates your vagus nerve, which stimulates the activation of your stomach acid. So it gets your acid, your bile ready, your enzymes ready. So now your digestive system is primed. So when you do eat food, now you're ready, right? your 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 system is ready to digest it more effectively. Always be in a very relaxed state when you're eating, you don't want to be stressed out. um, you don't want to be you know running around, or you know I have this habit sometimes, especially with with four young kids where I'll be eating while I'm like cleaning up the kitchen, you know, and things yeah. like that. And and yeah. that will affect my digestion. So, so, you know, it's just kind of taking the time to and I I I'm sure a lot of parents can relate with that. <clears throat> so, I think it's a really good idea to just take time while you're eating to be in a very relaxed state, take a couple deep breaths beforehand, pray before your meal that puts you in a state of gratitude. Gets mm-hmm. your parasympathetic nervous system activated, you're producing those digestive juices, and that's going to set you up for good digestion there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I just want to highlight the the thing with the circadian biology and eating late at night. I just think that is a huge point too, along with the stress piece, because um, you mentioned it, but like digestive enzymes, insulin sensitivity, stomach acid production, all of that is, is tapering down um, at the later we go after the sun sets. So I mean, we're only doing ourselves a disservice to our biology, which is naturally programmed with, you know, the the circadian cycle. Um, So that's just so huge of not eating huge meals late, particularly if you're, if you have heartburn and you're eating heavy, you know, protein rich meals, that is just not a good combo in general, but particularly in this context, So I just wanted to highlight that. I think that is really something a lot of us end up doing, particularly in summertime and it's light, you know you're busy and into the later evening. So yeah, just wanted to highlight that as well.
0: Yeah. I think if you do a few of those things that we talked about, apple cider vinegar, some of the herbs, drinking those herbal teas, making the diet changes, Mm -hmm. um, perhaps even, you know, experimenting with hcl you can go on our website and type in acid reflux or heartburn. And we've got some great articles that kind of talk to you and actually go through exactly how to use it. If you try that, most people will notice results. I would say mm-hmm. probably eighty percent will see yeah. great improvement. However, there's going to be a certain percentage of people that just don't see any improvement, and that's most likely because they have an H. pylori infection. In that case, I would recommend reaching out to Hampton. Um, H. pylori is definitely a it's a pretty serious infection. If if it's uh, you know if it's going unchecked, and uh, can cause a lot of issues and increase your risk of of developing gastric cancer. But there are protocols to trim down the H. pylori, you know, H. pylori is natural. So we're always going to have some levels of it, but to get it into a healthy range, there are good protocols that Hampton has had a lot of success with, uh, with, with clients, but that's something you want a coach. You want to really work with a
1: coach with. Right. Absolutely. Okay, great. I think we covered that one pretty sufficiently. So let's move on. We've got Mary on Instagram and she asked, I've read about heavy metals and chocolate. Do you believe we should avoid all chocolates? Good question.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I prefaced this in the beginning. There was a Consumer Reports investigation that looked at ch- uh, chocolate and, you know, looked at obviously the measurements. They measured all these different brands and they looked at lead and cadmium. And typically, cadmium, so the, so the, the cacao tree will actually absorb cadmium from the soil. And cadmium is a natural mm-hmm. mineral or, or metal in the, in the soil. You know, and, and obviously man, you know, industry will also produce cadmium and so it will uptake it for whatever reason, the cacao tree uptakes it, gets into the fruit in a higher amount than some other, other, other different types of crops. And then lead can obviously be, lead is, is oftentimes man-made and a lot of times they're fermenting the, they're fermenting and drying the cacao as they're making it uh, on certain racks and machinery that mm-hmm. may have lead in it, and that lead may get into the chocolate as well. And so, you know, certainly concerning, um, you know, when, that, when they have findings like that, and I have a great article that actually goes through all the different brands and whatnot, but, you know, my general consensus is this, I think that chocolate cacao particularly, or, or unprocessed, minimally processed chocolate has a lot of polyphenols and antioxidants, that are really, really good for the body. And it does have some toxins. But the thing we have to realize is just about everything we're eating now has chemicals and toxins, unfortunately, right? There's nothing, if we tested everything, every food that you're eating, all the apples, you know, for testing things, we're going to find all kinds of different contaminants and chemicals and metals and all kinds of stuff in there. And so there's no way that we're going to avoid this stuff completely. We have to make the best possible choices. I would recommend actually, because they didn't test glyphosate levels in the chocolate. They didn't test, you know, a number of other pesticides and herbicides. I would recommend getting organic, doing as much as possible to get organic, even if it's a brand that may have higher levels of lead and cadmium and just eating it in a moderation, I think is key. Um, again, the amount of chemicals that are used on non-organic produce, including chocolate and coffee and things like that, a lot of those types of, uh, of beans, um, you know, is, it, they're using a pretty tremendous amount of chemicals on these things. And so it's important that we're trying to reduce the amount of consumption. And so going organic is is going to be the best bet as far as that goes. But I recommend l- living a daily detoxification lifestyle, right? And so really hydrating our body well, um, that's going to help open up all of our drainage pathways, moving our body on a regular basis, get exercising, which helps you move toxins out through respiration, through perspiration. You want to, you know, I always tell people, you got to pee your way to good health. You got to pee and poop your way to good health, right? So having good bowel movements, Um, hydrating well. So you're going to the bathroom, you're urinating regularly throughout the day. I think all of that's super important to keeping your overall toxic load down. And then on top of that, and I, I, I preference preference that in the, um, in the article I wrote all about this topic is taking some sort of a toxin binder, taking a toxin binder on a daily basis in our society is critical. In fact, there's research that shows that detoxing is more important for your overall health at this point than nutrients. Nutrients we know are important. Most of the time we're focusing on nutrients, getting enough zinc, getting enough magnesium, all these types of things through our diet. But really detoxification is critical because if we're not detoxifying, if toxins are getting in our system and staying in our system, not like a river, you know, it's one thing if toxins get in, we can't avoid that altogether. We can minimize it. But the key is we've got to be pushing those out through our all of our detoxification channels. But if they're getting in and lodging in different areas, that is going to break down cellular uh, mechanics. It's going to break down our ability to produce energy within the cells and utilize nutrients that we're 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 taking in through our diet. And so, very important that we are living a daily detoxification lifestyle taking a good toxin binder that could be something like activated charcoal, or there's even better ones out there, zeolite and fulvic, humic acids. Um, so these bioactive carbons that can actually bind to different, uh, you know, all the different pesticides, herbicides, as well as metals and help move them out of our system.
1: Yeah. Maybe even, uh, add in a little Corella. We'll talk about that in a minute, but throw in some Corella after you eat the chocolate. Yeah. But I'm with you. Moderation. Don't freak out, but look at the the article um, Dr. Joggers has written. You can go to consumer reports and look at the research that they did on the different brands. And then, um, yeah, just kind of stay up to date on that because things change. But again, yes, everything has heavy metals to some extent, naturally. We are, you know, unfortunately creating more heavy metals with the brake dust in the air and just the list goes on and on. So uh, I wouldn't, swear off chocolate by any means, but just everything that Dr. Joggers just shared, I think is spot on and, um, will serve you well if you, if you follow those things and and that way you're never uh, not having chocolate, but yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. I wouldn't overly panic about it. Don't panic. It's just good to be aware of things, but, but, but don't panic about it. Again, everything you're consuming is going to have some contaminants in it. Right. But the more that you are exercising, hydrating your body well what keep you can stress do under control. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have access to it, get an infrared sauna, right? It's a fantastic way oh, yeah. to help, help your body detoxify.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, you
0: know, there's a number of different things that you could be doing on a daily basis to keep the toxins moving out of your system. The, the things yeah. that you're, you're consuming an air purifier, a water purifier, right? So you're minimizing your overall toxic load, change out your, you know, household cleaning agents, your personal hygiene products, trying to get as chemical as low chemical products as possible right Right. Um, yeah and that's a, you know a big principle that we teach minimize the amount of toxins coming in and maximize the amount of nutrients in your body so i when it comes to chocolate i would focus on getting organic with the minimal amount of sugar in it so that way right. you're not getting the processed sugar and you're not getting the different chemicals processed sugar oftentimes has G, is gmo so it's got glyphosate So minimal ingredients altogether, right? In your chocolate and Mm -hmm. um, and getting it organic so there's going to be less chemicals sprayed on it. I think if you do that, that's going to be the best approach to
1: it. Right. I agree. I agree.
0: I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite supplements. It's Paleo Valley's Grass-Fed Organ Complex. It's like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste. You see, Grass-Fed Organ Complex contains not one, but three organs. It contains heart, liver, And kidney, which are extremely rich in B vitamins, vitamin A, minerals, coenzyme Q10, key things like selenium. These nutrients support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune health, as well as your skin. And they're found in the most bioavailable form that our ancestors used to get. You see, whenever our ancestors would kill an animal, they would go right for the organ meat. So the most coveted parts because that's really where the life force was. They didn't understand nutrients, but today we know that's where the B vitamins, the CoQ10, the vitamin A, the key minerals are really concentrated in these organs as opposed to the muscle meats. And most of us are just not consuming organ meats on a regular basis, but now you can. You can get grass-fed organ complex, get these vital nutrients, they're freeze-dried to really preserve as much of the nutrients as possible. And you can take this again in in, in replacement of some sort of a multivitamin that you may have been taking before. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash Jockers and use the coupon code Jockers at checkout and save 15% off today.
1: Next question, Natalie asks from YouTube, can you use binders like zeolite and charcoal if you have anemia? That's
0: That's a good question. So anemia is a condition... Mm -hmm. And I imagine she's referring to iron deficiency yeah. anemia. Yeah. Because I was. Yeah. Yeah. There's a number of different types of anemias, but right. the most common ones are iron deficiency anemia or B12 deficiency anemia, and that's where you're not producing enough blood cells. Obviously, you need iron to produce blood cells. Iron is really critical. It produces, you know, it's the the major backbone of hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is proteins and and iron basically, which helps to bring oxygen to the cells of the body. It's a very, you know, we need oxygen. All of our cells need oxygen to produce energy. So if we don't have enough red blood cells, enough hemoglobin in the red blood cells to bring oxygen, we're not going to be able to produce enough energy. We're going to have a lot of fatigue. And, you know, it can even be life-threatening if if it's not addressed. B12 is also really key for the maturation of the red blood cells. So it takes on the right shape and form. So it can, again, bring the oxygen to the, the cells of the body effectively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not and and usually when it comes to an iron deficiency anemia, you know, the thing we have to ask is is this individual iron deficient because they're not consuming iron, they're not absorbing so they're so that's the first thing, are they not eating iron rich foods? Number 2 is Are they not absorbing iron? So they're eating the iron-rich foods, but their gastrointestinal system is not absorbing iron. We talked about stomach acid before. That's key for helping absorb minerals, for example. Or number three, are they losing too much iron? So are they bleeding out, right? Do they have an ulcer, like we talked about earlier? Do they have, you know, Crohn's disease, ulcerative Mm -hmm. colitis? Do they have heavy period? If, If it's a female, is she having heavy menstrual cycles? Are, is she losing too much iron? So that's always the question we have to ask with B12. Are they not absorbing it or are they not consuming it? Because you're not really bleeding out B12. Um, and so those are the key questions we have to ask. And, you know, obviously, if you take a binder like charcoal or zeolite, binders are going to pull toxins out of the body. But the, the concern is, are they also going to bind and pull out nutrients like iron or B12, for example? And so, the, the you know, that's a that's a, uh, a very fair question mm-hmm. uh, and a very good question. And mm-hmm. so it's possible. We really don't have good research on that. However, what I would recommend is just taking them away from meals. So if you take them right. away from consuming food, then you're not going to be worried about that. Two hours away, you know, at night before you go to bed, morning when you wake up, great time to take some of these binders. And, uh, you know, in that way you don't have to worry about it. Now, taking binders with meals, there are certain binders like fulvic and humic acid that normally are very safe to take with meals. Uh, In fact, they can actually help drive more nutrients into the cell. So those can be really helpful, those those types of bioactive carbons. I know on our website, on our store, we have a whole wide range of different types of binders. You'll see names like biotoxin binder. It's a fulvic-humic acid blend. There's HMET, which is really designed for heavy metals and environmental toxins, a lot of different good ones like that. Those ones typically you can take with meals and, and they work great uh, with or without meals. So that's totally fine. Um, and then the other thing is something like a charcoal, which which can bind to uh, to nutrients in our food. The only time I really would recommend taking it with a meal is let's say you have a sensitivity to something, you, have a, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you get an immune reaction when you consume something and perhaps you ate that food unintentionally or intentionally, right? Because uh, sometimes we do that, right? Um, and that's a great time to take a binder like charcoal to help with that. Like for example, when people drink too much alcohol, a way that they can help reduce any sort of hangover effects, things like that is taking some charcoal. They can also take some liver supporting herbs that can be helpful. Or if you were, let's say you're gluten sensitive, you can take charcoal to help help bind to some of that gluten and 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 help support it out of the system. That can be helpful. Um, so you know, that that would be really the only time to take that with a meal. But in general, if you take it away from meals, you should be that should be fine.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's great. And we don't necessarily know why they want to be taking binders if they have anemia, but um, s- You know, as far as zeolite is concerned, you know, there is some research that indicates zeolites is kind of unique and that it has a a structure around it where, like a honeycomb in in essence, where it will actually uh, attract and trap the heavier metals like cadmium and arsenic and lead and mercury, while these other trace elements and minerals and electrolyte minerals, um, potassium, magnesium, these, um, and all the trace minerals, it'll actually kind of help drive them. Um, throughout the body and disperse them, and that's a positive thing. While it will kind of lock down and take, you know, um, you know, lock in the heavy metals. And so, from my understanding, I, I haven't seen any research where if you're worried about taking a zeolite and let's say you take it in between meals, I don't think it's going to necessarily go in the blood and make its way to the liver and like take your and storage or take bind up the, the active, um, you know, serum iron. You know, um, I, I haven't seen that really happen or, or, you know, in the research or anything like that. Um, But I think if you yeah generally take them away from meals like Dr. Jockers was, you know, recommending and um, you you probably, I don't think that's, I think you want to address anemia um, as mentioned before with some of the root causal factors and absorption and, you know, getting iron in and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about taking the zeolite to bind up iron. If, this is iron deficient anemia um, that you're alluding to here. One interesting thing that I did find was that it, it, kind of random, but in a research where they had cadmium poisoned um, pigs, they gave them zeolite and actually prevented anemia and protected the liver. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's not humans. So we can't create a, you know, um, it's, a, it's an association there. But anyhow, I thought that was interesting to share with, particularly with the zeolite. Um, so it's just kind of a unique binding substance. So,
0: Yeah, that's really yeah. good. It would have a, kind of an indirect effect by
1: mm-hmm.
0: getting rid of heavy metals. You're right. going to have better cellular mechanics. You're going to have right. reduced inflammation in mm-hmm. the system and then better nutrient absorption. So right. it's kind of a downstream effect by reducing toxicity.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, let's see. Next Next question, Blue Sky uh, asked on YouTube, is Corella lower testosterone levels?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And I believe there was a study that kind of hinted at it, right? Uh, Certainly not conclusive, very, very small kind of preliminary study. However, a thing we know about chlorella is that chlorella has something powerful in it called chlorella growth factor. Chlorella growth factor actually allows the chlorella algae to uh, quadruple in quantity every 20 hours, right? So it Really stimulates this massive amount of growth, and it's made up of amino acids, glycoproteins, B vitamins, things like zinc, gamma-linoleic acid, a lot of key nutrients that help support our own natural testosterone production. For example, chlorella um, is actually a good source of zinc for its for its uh, you know its size and and, mm-hmm. and molecular weight, and um, zinc is needed for good testosterone production. It also has key amino acids, including some branch chain amino acids in there that support testosterone production, muscle building, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And CGF or chlorella growth factor has been shown to to boost tissue growth, healing and repair. Um, kids that take it, uh, tend to mature faster. They have improved intelligence. In fact, something I give my kids every day. So I actually uh, get these little chlorella. They're called energy bit energy bits is the name. Um, of the brands, we sell them on our online store, great company. And my kids get their age in chlorella tabs every evening for dinner. So I've got a five-year-old daughter, she gets five of them, right? My boys are seven, they get seven and we round up. So once they're seven and a half, they'll get eight. And uh, that's how we do it. That's one of their key nutrients that they take and they thrive. And the reason why I love chlorella is not only the CGF, which really supports their growth and development, but also mm-hmm. it's great for adults as well. Mm-hmm. But also it's a great natural binder. So it actually helps pull toxins out of the bo- out of the body. It's mm-hmm. great for the gut, really helps cleanse and, and heal the gut. So a lot of really good, good benefits. And chlorella is so rich in chlorophyll. Yeah. And if you're getting regular sun exposure along with the chlorophyll, that can actually help your cells produce energy, ATP, more effectively. So a lot of good benefits to chlorella. I wouldn't worry about you know, testosterone reduction. There are a number of reasons why people will have low testosterone and it's not because they're consuming too much chlorella. (laughs) Why don't Mm -hmm. you talk, Hampton, about some of the reasons why people may have low testosterone?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's a great point. And I just want to say a lot of times, I I didn't didn't see this study, but a lot of times, I mean, they're, who knows, were they doing chlorella plus a full plant-based diet plus a fasting regimen? I mean, all those things are going to lower testosterone potentially in this study. We don't know the confounding factors, at least I don't. Um, but absolutely, I mean, um, things that are going to lower testosterone is going to be inflammatory diet, processed foods, lack of sleep, sedentary lifestyle, not you know challenging the muscles, lifting you know heavy weights or just challenging physical exercise. Sunlight is really important. The circadian biology, the circadian rhythm hormone optimization really starts with the sunlight going through the, the retina in the morning. Um, sets up a cascade of hormonal um, events to, to produce serotonin and melatonin and testosterone and balancing estrogen levels and I mean there's there's just so many factors that lower testosterone and in and, and processed foods are going to come primarily in a lot of plastics and that you get xenoestrogen effects um, where we're getting estrogen mimicking chemicals in the body and for men mm-hmm. that is not a good yeah, you know, well, men and women—it's not good. But particularly, um, testosterone is is important for men and women. I guess I'm just leaning towards if this is a, a male yeah. asking, I don't know. But either way, um, those are going to wreak havoc on the testosterone estrogen balance, and you can you know get something called aromatization, which is where testosterone is being converted into estrogen, and if you become estrogen dominant. Then that's going to produce a whole negative cascade on insulin sensitivity, blood sugar regulation, you know, weight maintenance, energy. Um, so it's really, um, those are, there's so many things that are hindering, um, you know, testosterone production and adequate hormone balance for men and women. I think that's really what the conversation (laughs) should be. I do agree with you. Um, and I also would just say the Corella, I think you kind of mentioned it, it, I would completely say the opposite in its indirect effect downstream because it's supporting your cellular structure and function with increasing oxygen energy production, which you need for hormone metabolism. It also stimulates glutathione, which is an endogenous Mm -hmm. master antioxidant, which is going to support cellular integrity, methylation, DNA transcription, protection, which is going to allow you to produce and break down hormones effectively, um, detoxifying heavy metals and like microbial toxins, so I think for the the bang for the buck for what corella can do for you, I think it's an amazing foundational um, nutrient that would then support whatever other actions you're taking, uh, maybe supplement wise to support testosterone naturally, at, uh, along with lifestyle factors. So um, yeah, that's that's a little bit of what I what I'm thinking over here. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I totally agree. I think you know when it comes to testosterone production, you got to look at insulin resistance mm-hmm. as, you know, one of the main factors, high toxicity, high toxic load, right, as, as number two, chronic stress is number three, if your body's stressed, and you're not sleeping well, then you're in fight or flight. And when you're in fight or flight, your body's prioritizing glucocorticoid stress hormones right. to keep blood sugar up to keep you ready to fight in a sense. And it's down, down regulating or it's not prioritizing and it's underproducing the sex hormones that help you to heal and rebuild, right? And so super important that you get your body out of that kind of fight or flight state and into a relaxed, peaceful state that you can thrive in mm-hmm. and uh, obviously get, get the nutrient support you need into your cells, right? Which is not what happens when you're insulin resistant. Insulin is key for getting nutrients into cells. you're insulin resistant you're not getting effective nutrient supply into the cells so the cells are 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 struggling from that perspective so you got to heal that you got to provide mechanical stimulus right so um doing lifting heavy things is key that's a stimulus to the body that we need testosterone production right we need to endogenously produce testosterone because we've got to we've got to heal recover and we've got to be strong to heal these or to lift these heavy things because that's Mm -hmm. part of what we need to do to survive right and so when you're giving the body the right inputs and the right nutrients reducing toxicity then you're going to produce the hormones that you need at the right amounts at the right times
1: so that's key absolutely let's see do we have time for one more yeah let's do it all right all right so gary uh right from the website ask is it better to eat veggies like broccoli and cauliflower raw or should you cook them
0: yeah good question so raw broccoli, raw cauliflower, um, they're going to, they're going to have the most amount of nutrients, but they also have some tough, they have a tough outer fiber that can be tough on the digestive system. So, you know, from an overall like return on investment perspective, you actually, most people I think are going to get better benefits by steaming their veggies now that that doesn't mean like there are some people that they can eat raw broccoli raw cauliflower and their digestive system they feel fine no no reduction in energy but i would say there's a good a good amount of people right maybe even the majority of people that if they eat raw broccoli raw cauliflower they're actually going to feel worse right an hour or two later they might have more gas bloating uh constipation diarrhea brain fog fatigue because these are um hard to digest fibers that put a more stress on the on the gut whereas when they steam them they tend to digest them better because it breaks down the hard outer cellulose and makes it easier on their system to break down although it does take some of the nutrient content out of it steaming takes less of the nutrient content out than if you were to boil it so i recommend steaming it some people ask about baking yeah you can bake it too that will break down some of those hard outer fibers I recommend after you steam it or you bake it, put some grass-fed butter, some extra virgin olive oil because it's a great carrier for these healthy fats and all the polyphenols that you get in the fats. And then you're going to get, it's going to be nutrient-dense, right? Because you've got these healthy fats in there that have got fat-soluble nutrients, polyphenols that are super good for your body and you're going to really love and enjoy it. It's going to taste great. It's going to be good for your microbiome, uh, you know, good for your overall body. So that's really the best approach in my opinion. You know, if you're at a party and they got like one of those trays and there's some broccoli and cauliflower and you eat one or two, no big deal, right? It shouldn't right. be shouldn't be an issue unless you have a really sensitive gut. But in general, better way to do it is is steaming it, in my opinion, or baking.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. That's how I personally like it. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy it that way better. Um, I don't really enjoy eating handfuls of raw <laughs> broccoli. <laughs> personally, it's not that awesome. Um, kind of weird if you melt butter on raw broccoli I don't know I've never tried that but um yeah I love it to steam some broccoli all or um, butter and olive oil on it great and particularly in our context we do deal with a lot of folks that have challenged GI you know low enzyme production and gut infections and things like that so just really well cooked, particularly with the cruciferous vegetables is really what we see work well with a lot of clients, um, just not adding more stress to the system, still getting some nutrient benefits from those veggies. And then if they're really concerned about nutrient density, then I, a lot of times we'll recommend like uh, a broccoli sprout where it's still yeah. super young, fresh, most people, it, it has all the activated enzymes there. Um, and it doesn't have all that extra hard, um, You know, roughage and and fibrous cellulose component to it. So you can do that for the sulforaphane and maybe some of the higher vitamin C if you're trying to go after some of those nutrients that are in like a broccoli, um, raw broccoli per se. Um, So I would recommend that as well. But yeah, um, I'm with you there. I like that. Yeah,
0: that's that's good. Let's do that one last question because I know I had mentioned Raynaud's.
1: All right. So do you recommend anything for Raynaud's syndrome and sleep apnea? My brother has such severe pain in his hands. He doesn't even sleep anymore and can barely function. He eats extremely clean, gluten-free, low-carb, low-sugar, no alcohol, and he's only, it's so bad, he's only 37, and the doctors just want to give him painkillers. Any help would be appreciated.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate to hear, and Raynaud's is kind of this syndrome where you're getting constriction and dilation of your blood vessels in and around your hands. Typically, it's kind of your peripheral region, sometimes people's feet. And so they get like blue hands, their hands become very, very sensitive, very cold oftentimes, or very, very hot. And, uh, you know, it's thought to be autoimmune mediated. And oftentimes it's in combination with other autoimmune conditions. And so, and of course, he also has a sleep apnea where he's not breathing at night while he's sleeping. Now, she said he's following a a healthy diet and lifestyle, which is great. So uh, I think that that's gotta be the foundation. So, you know, you definitely wanna start with that. Some other things to consider since he's doing healthy lifestyle principles would be, does he have mold in his home? And is he reacting to mold and mycotoxins? That would be like one of the first things in my head I would start thinking of is, hey, if he's living this healthy lifestyle, perhaps there's some sort of toxin that he's being exposed to on a regular basis that is driving up inflammatory activity in his body. A common one is mold and mycotoxins. Um, there could be some other toxin exposure. Maybe he works in a, you know, a, a, an agricultural uh, facility, or mm-hmm. uh, maybe he's welding. I don't know what he right. does for a living, right? So it could be occupational hazards, but it's probably some sort of toxicity that he's dealing with. There might be underlying uh, nutrient deficiencies. There might be cr- infections, maybe as parasites or um, bacterial overgrowth, perhaps H. Pylori, like we talked about earlier. So in this case, because he's already been following the healthy lifestyle principles and isn't getting results, that is definitely, you know, that's a, a red flag. I need a coach, right? Um, you know, I always recommend people start on their own, start following healthy lifestyle principles like we talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, a lot of people will get better just doing that. But there's a percentage of people that won't. And that's because they've got some of these harder to figure out issues. That is when you need to call on somebody like Hampton um, who can run labs and and actually determine exactly what's going on what the what the root cause factors are sometimes it's multiple things sometimes it's parasites and mold right and so you really want to figure out what is the root cause issues behind this and so some functional lab testing can help with that we also do a in-depth functional health questionnaire that really helps us identify certain certain uh possible factors mm. that uh that again could be the root cause so which figure out the root cause, then you can go through strategies to actually heal those. But uh, but that's where my mind goes right away with that question.
1: Yeah, me too. I think, yeah. Heavy metals and mycotoxins, because it it just looking yeah. into it a little bit, it's 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 uh, you know, an alpha two receptor kind of overstimulation, which creates like a vasal constriction, um, shutting off blood flow. So that tends leads me into okay, something at the cell level, deeper entrenched mechanics going on. And you have minerals are heavily involved with that. Metals, heavy metals often displace or will displace the essential trace minerals that are so needed for all these enzymatic reactions with nitric oxide and oxygen and hydrogen and all of that kind of stuff. So that is where my mind goes to. So I'm with you. It's something deeper, probably. It's some kind of testing to to see, yeah, are we dealing with these things um, as well? And so healthy lifestyle, great. I think there are probably some you know, kind of, Tailored supplements that could probably give some relief or support. Don't know if they're trying them, but I just think of like niacinamide and some kind of nitric oxide support, arginine, beet. You know, cordyceps is a is a really um, powerful adaptogenic uh, mushroom that uh, fungus mushroom that really helps utilize oxygen within the cell and the mitochondria. And I think that's could be certainly supportive to some degree. But I but I do agree um, root cause you know you got to get the metals out and and remineralize if that's what it is or the mycotoxins um because the supplements can help a little bit but they're not gonna you know effectively get to that root cause
0: yeah yeah really good stuff so reach out hampton at drjockers.com. you can email hampton let them know your story and uh, you guys can go from there. So he works with yep. people all around the world and with a wide variety of different health conditions. So if you're, if, if that's you and you're looking for health coaching, can't get somebody better than Hampton. So again, Hampton at drjockers.com. Great questions, guys. You can always reach out to us. You can submit questions at info at drjockers.com. You can also um, go to my Instagram page, Dr Jockers, YouTube. Um, we're fielding questions from all of these different areas and, uh, submit your questions that you want to be answered in one of these future podcast Q and A's. So thanks again, guys. Hampton, thanks again for your time and uh, we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Be blessed.